in and looking for the passage of Scripture which seemed to be the best, I think it's just to keep right where we've been going in the Gospel according to Luke. I think that because last week we were studying about Martha and about Mary and about how Mary had chosen that better thing which was to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from him. She'd already perhaps done her work but was seeking to do the thing which would please the Lord most which was to learn uh, his will. Sometimes we substitute busyness uh, for really seeking a closeness to the Lord. It naturally follows in the Gospel according to Luke that Luke tells us after this these words. This is Luke chapter 11. I will begin reading at verse 1 following. Now think about the things we've been singing about this morning and listen to these words. And it came about while he was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Suppose one of you shall have a friend, and you shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he shall answer and say, Do not bother me, the door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And I say to you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. In studying through the Gospel of Luke, it is interesting to note the prayers of Jesus. I have them listed for you in the top of the second page of your bulletin. 
He prayed at his baptism. He prayed in the wilderness when he was confronted by Satan. He prayed before calling his twelve apostles. He prayed at Caesarea Philippi. He prayed before the transfiguration when he understood what would happen uh, with his exodus from Jerusalem and his death. He prayed uh, when he instructed the prayer which we saw today. He was at prayer. He prayed for Peter that Peter's faith would not fail not. And I'm sure that when Peter, after that terrible defection and denial of his Lord, I've always thought that Peter would have been like Judas and gone out and hanged himself had it not been for the fact that Jesus prayed for him and Peter realized that Jesus had prayed for him. And so Peter turned back. When Jesus was cruelly nailed to a cross, he prayed for the forgiveness of those who were hurting him and for those who could not understand him. He prayed with his disciples that day when they walked with him and did not know who he was on the road to Emmaus. None of us know which one of the twelve apostles asked that question, Lord, or ask of him, Lord, teach us to pray. But we shall always be indebted that he did. For in the Gospel of, the Luke, of Luke, we read that it came about when he was praying in a certain place. There must have been a certain place that he resorted to often for prayer. I love the old hymn, There's a Garden Where Jesus is Waiting. And we need a place where we can retire and where we can meet with him in prayer. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I wonder what it was that Jesus had been saying in that prayer, or what they saw in Jesus when he came away from that place of prayer that caused that unnamed disciple to bless us all by asking Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Something about Jesus' prayer had gotten to him. And he said, Lord, teach us to pray. And forthwith, our Lord Jesus gives us the model prayer, which we will be looking at in some succeeding Sundays. But when I think of our students going away, to go away learning to pray and to search God's Word is the greatest possible of all gifts and words that could come to you when you begin to face the storms of life and know about that mercy seat. And when you face the decisions that all of you must face so great and so big in the next few years, and day by day to enjoy that conversation with the Father. Outside the city of Edinburgh in Scotland, there's an old kirk. And because the Lord's Prayer is used Sunday by Sunday as a part of Presbyterian worship, someone had carved into stone there some comments upon that prayer 
which are well worth our remembering. And by the way, in the ancient church, when the Christians were persecuted in Rome, when they were being dipped in pitch and burned as living torches in Nero's gardens, when they were torn asunder by lions in the arena, when to be a Christian was not a simple matter of joining a church, but it was a matter of putting your life on the very altar of God to be sacrificed. There were what we call neophytes, new people, new learners who come into the Christian faith. They were not permitted to pray the Lord's Prayer for two full years when they entered into an instruction in the faith. After two years of instruction, if they had not gone back into the world, and if they had given satisfaction as to their earnestness, they were permitted to pray the Lord's Prayer. When it begins, Our Father, it begins by teaching us of the highest relationship that we can have. To as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. And so he taught us to pray, our Father. It's a family prayer. I do not pray my Father, but I pray our Father. Because there are believers all over the world who are in the family of God with me. And I do not want my prayer to be selfish, but I want what's best for the family of God. If we have never accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior then we ought to pause right at this point and realize that we cannot honestly pray this prayer. We can't say our Father because he has not yet become our Father. We are not yet sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ and so we do not have that relationship to him. And if you have never accepted him, I hope you will accept him into your heart as your Savior and Lord right now. You don't even have to wait till the end of the service. It's more than signing a card or walking an aisle. It's an act of your will in surrendering over to his lordship. He has given you a gracious invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man open, I will come in. And if you open the door of your heart and ask him to come in, then you can go to God and pray to him, knowing that he is our father. He is our father. Jesus wanted us to pray this way because we're children. Uh, some of us do things for the neighbor's children. We're not obligated to do those things, but we do them because we uh, love to be kind. But there are certain responsibilities that we have to our own sons and daughters that are unique. And God does things for people who are not yet in a saving relationship to him. But it's not the same. We have a special access when we come to him through faith in Jesus Christ, one that we ought to remember. I often try to illustrate this with young people by saying that uh, uh, sometimes do you ever get in a hurry and dialing, uh, it happens out here because of our phone system, but uh, often I'll start dialing a number before I listen for the dial tone, especially when I've just finished talking with somebody and I hang up the phone and I don't wait the appropriate number of seconds for it to disengage and then I'll dial away real quick and there's nothing there. 
And then if I say to the operator, something's wrong, I can't get this number, she said, did you listen for the dial tone? <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> if you wait and listen for the dial tone, I think that's when we realize our relationship to him. And we seek to hallow his name. As believers, we seek his holiness and that his name be reverence. Then we come down the letter to the kingdom. We have a relationship to him that we are praying for his kingly reign over us. Uh, fourthly, we have a relationship of a servant to the master. Thy will be done. We'll talk about that later. A servant does not do his own will. He does his master's will. And then there is a relationship almost like a beggar in the street. We'll read more about that in a moment. It, we ask each day for our daily bread. Uh, there is the relationship of a debtor and a creditor. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. These are petitions which are in that great prayer, uh, which has been the benchmark by which we ourselves are to remember our own relationship in going to the Lord. Remember it. It's very, very important for us to remember. And then after Jesus had taught this prayer, telling us about avoiding the test, lead us not into temptation, You've been tested with exams to see where you're strong or where you're weak. We go through tests in life, and we need him to be with us. Then Jesus says to his disciples, suppose one of you shall have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. This is one of my favorite of all of Jesus' parables because it's homely and it's humorous. It's a funny story, really. And I think that Jesus didn't read this in some rabbinical book or in Rabbi Gamaliel's book of illustrations. Uh, Jesus went through this when he was a little boy. I think in Joseph's carpenter shop there were days when there was not enough uh, food in the house and they cooked enough bread for just that day and Jesus was lying there on the mat on the floor and his brothers and sisters were there in the house too and someone came to the door and knocked on the door and said to Joseph friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come in his journey and I have nothing to set before him or Joseph may have had to go to someone else's house and knock on the door and do the same thing. For a friend in his journey had come there often to avoid the extreme heat of the day. They traveled at night. There were no motels and hotels, so they might arrive at some hour uh, late in the night. And in the East, hospitality is a very sacred responsibility. And so you would be obligated uh, to get for your friend uh, something to eat and to set before him a loaf of bread for him to eat, uh, something that you could eat with him to be gracious, uh, another loaf for abundance, so that he would have plenty of bread to eat. And so Jesus says that, that uh, suppose you shall have a friend and you shall go to him at midnight and say to him, now the, remember, he's a friend. Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. I'm embarrassed at my poverty. 
I can't give him anything to eat. There will come times in life when you will not know what to do because of your wife or because of your husband or because of your job or because of your children. And you will be embarrassed. And you must go to the Lord. And you must bang on the door. You must pray to him. Friend, a friend of mine has come to me in his journey and I have nothing to set before him. Other people's needs can sometimes bring us closer to the Lord. And if you stop to think about it, I expect that when the books in heaven are open, there will be more prayers that have been offered up at midnight or in the wee hours of the morning than any other time more real prayers because we will know that someone is hovering between life and death. And we will have waited all day long outside an operating room. And they will be in the intensive care unit. And we won't be able to sleep and we'll roll out of bed and get down on our knees and we'll pray harder than we ever prayed before and more earnestly seeking persistently for God's mercy and God's help for that friend. We must remember that. And from inside he shall answer, do not bother me. This is an interesting little thing. He does not say, I don't have any bread. If he'd said, I don't have any bread, I think the fellow outside would have left. But he doesn't say, I don't have any bread. He says, don't bother me. And he said it for a very good reason. I've told you before that in these one-room Palestinian homes, uh, the mother slept down at one end of the family and the father slept here on the floor. And the little children, the smallest was next to his mother, and then the next largest, and the next largest, and the next largest, and the next largest down to the father. And so if someone banged on the door and he had to get up and go to the door, you can imagine what it'd be like stepping all over all of those children and waking them up in the middle of the night. And then you add a few goats or a donkey and some chickens that often stayed inside the house too. And the man said, don't bother me, because he knew what a... Uh, a ruckus was going to be raised uh, if he had to get up and go walking over all those kids and go to the door. The door has been shut. That was the signal that they'd settled down for the night. The door is shut. And my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Well, now put yourself in the place of the embarrassed uh, host. You think about it. He doesn't want to get up and give me anything. I've got that man back at my house who's traveled all night and he's hungry and I've got to get something for him to eat. I'll just go away. No, I can't go away. I don't know any place else to go. He knocks on the door again. Friend, get up. I've got to have three loaves of bread. Well, you see, there is an urgency here. And there is an expectancy here. He doesn't just keep knocking for nothing. He knows that this householder has the goods to give to him. And so he bangs on that door again. And do you know what happens? I tell you that even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, uh, this, this is the New American Standard version that I'm reading from. 
in the old King James English it says importunity from importunate and that comes from an old Latin word which has to do with obstinate it means someone who just shamelessly insists uh, on, on having an answer to it inexorably he bangs on the door and he is going to keep on banging on the door and so finally the householder gets up and says Jesus I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I think when he came to the door, he said, Listen, don't you take three loaves. Here's two, here's two, here's some for the rest of the family, and I hope you can sleep the rest of the night, and I can too. He wanted to really take care of him. He didn't want him back. Now, he said that, I think, because some of those disciples of Jesus must have said, Well, Lord, we've prayed, and the answer hadn't come. And Jesus told this story. And uh, the story is meant to tell us that God is not like a churlish householder who is going to refuse to get up, but He's so much better than that. But there are times when He means for us to keep on praying because the time is not yet ripe for our prayer to be answered. And I've said over and over again, and write it in your Bible and remember it forever, that when you get into heaven, you will find that the most perfect answer to many of your prayers was God's wise refusal of what you asked for. Think of all the people you might have married. He refuses for good reasons. Now, the, the pagans, the gods and goddesses, weren't like that. Uh, they weren't like that at all. And as a result of it, you get all kind of horrible things that, that uh, take place. There was a, a Tithinus, uh, a Trojan, uh, who uh, prayed that God would grant him immortality. That he would never die in his prayer to some god. And so he never died. But he forgot to pray that he wouldn't grow old. And so he just got older and older and older and older and older and older and more feeble 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 till finally he prayed that something else could happen to him. Anything but this terrible business of just getting older and older and older. He had forgotten to pray for vigor and strength and youth. And... and extenuation of that old age process can't be very happy at some points. He finally got turned into a grasshopper. I think that was the best his God could do for him. And, uh, but you see, uh, our, our God is kind. He's not going to answer prayers the way that we want them answered because if he does, then uh, uh, we would get ourselves into all kind of trouble. The pagan deities, there was a, a simile uh, 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 the mother of Dionysius. And uh, she, she prayed that she might uh, see uh, Zeus uh, in person, the god of light. Uh, and uh, so when she, a uh, god of lightning, and she did, and was incinerated, uh, <laughs> uh, that wasn't a very happy ending to that. And of course, Midas muffler shops will appreciate the plug, but Midas, 
<laughs> oh boy. Think about the gold market now and some selfish dummy praying this. Lord, everything that, that I touch, turn it into gold. And that's what happened to Midas. So he started eating his mashed potatoes turned into gold. <laughs> he had to spit them out. He didn't want that prayer answered that way. So you see, his wise refusal uh, is the best. Uh, he is a loving father, and he is ruling over us in a way that's going to be good for us. And so we come to him in this conversation with the father, and we pray to him in this way, uh, for he is seeking to answer for what is best. And now the conclusion of it. Jesus tells us to ask and to keep on asking. You remember one time David had a little boy that was dying and he sought God's presence and prayed for him to spare the life of the sick child. But the sick child was not spared. Though David fasted in sackcloth and ashes, the baby died. And then David said those great words when he had washed himself and had straightened up. He cannot come to me, return to me, but I will go unto him. God did not answer the prayer in the way in which he wanted it. Day before yesterday, Leighton Ford called me on the telephone. And he said, I have to talk to you a minute. One of my friends has a seven month old baby and the little baby got its head hung in the crib and it caused its death the baby's death and the parents are heartbroken and I simply don't know what to say we went over scriptures blessed be God even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ the God of all mercies and the Father of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Jesus' words, let the little children come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. There are times when we cannot explain satisfactorily why some things happen but we must trust in the sovereignty of God that he is ruling and that he is too wise to make any mistake and he is too good to hurt us unnecessarily. There is some lesson that he teaches us that we can't learn now. We hurt too bad to learn it now and this is not the time to talk about it. But later on, later on, we can look back and see something that he is teaching us from it. You remember my story I told you in the first of the year about Dr. Gutsky at our seminary in Decatur when I was a student. Manfred George Gutsky, whose little boy died with leukemia. And how the men in the seminary all fasted and prayed for the life of that child. And Dr. Gutsky said he went into his room and he prayed with all the fervency that he knew how to pray for God to save Peter Gutsky. And he said, I could not get any peace. And then he said, it was almost like the voice of the Lord himself spoke to me. And he said, all right, Gutsky. How long do you want him to live? 
Do you want him to live till he's 12? Do you want him to live till he's 15? Do you want him to live till he's 20? Do you want him to live till he's 50? Do you want him to live till he's 70? Do you want him to live till he's 90? How long do you want him to live? And he said, I had to say, Lord, I'm not wise enough to make that decision. And he said, the Lord said to me, then suppose you leave this in my hands. Let me make the decision. And then he said the words of the hymn, safe in the arms of Jesus, came to him. And he knew that little Peter Gutsky was safe in the arms of Jesus. And peace came to Dr. Gutsky's heart in that. I say to you, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks. It shall be open. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. A fish wriggles. But for a fish, you won't give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, you won't give him one of those scorpions that has a shell over it like they have in Palestine. If he asks for bread, you won't give him a stone. You're not mean. You love your children. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do you know what that teaches us? It teaches us that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is as staple to us as bread and fish and eggs. He is a staple to our lives. We need His guidance every single day. We need His illumination from the pages of Scripture as we read them. We need His guidance in the conduct of our affairs with other people and our dealings with other people. What would Jesus do? Will the Holy Spirit assist me? Are the fruits of the Spirit that are listed there in Galatians the love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the meekness, the faith, the temperance, or are those things really manifest in my life? Or am I just playing at churchianity and far removed from real discipleship and real love of Jesus? So, pray and keep on praying. Ask and keep on asking. You remember back last January when I told you I'd I read every bit of that book, all the way straight through that little book, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, by Solzhenitsyn. A Day in the Life of a Prisoner in one of the communist prison camps from the time he is awakened in the morning in the darkness and the cold until bone-tired at night and hungry. He goes through to get the pitiful little bowl of cabbage soup with a fish head in it that he can have for his meal in the evening. And there is a Christian there by the name of Alyoshka. And Alyoshka takes his stone out of the wall and pulls his Gospels out and reads from the Gospel. And Ivan Denisovich, who is not a believer, Ivan Denisovich 
has gotten a package from home and he has a few cigarettes and he lights a cigarette and as he takes a puff on it I don't think it was a prayer but he just blurted out thank God he enjoyed the puff on the cigarette so much little Alyoshka tries to witness to him the Christian and he says Ivan Denisovich your soul wants to pray to God why don't you go ahead and pray and do you remember how Ivan the cynic who does not believe blasted Alyoshka he said, I'll tell you why I don't pray. He said, I don't pray because prayers are just like the requests we send to the higher-ups. They either never get there or they come back marked rejected. He said, you pray, and what did you get? You got 25 years, just like all the rest of us, 25 years. And you can pray all you please, and you won't get one day off your sentence. And little Alyoshka was horror-struck. He said, but I don't pray that I will get any time off my sentence. And Ivan Denisovich said, what do you pray for? And he remembered the Lord's Prayer and the lesson we had this morning. And he said, I pray that I will do the will of God. I am ready to suffer here in prison if that is the will of God for me. Now that's real prayer. It's not the business of us getting God to do what we want Him to do. But of our praying to God so that we will do His will. Old John Bolton from Germany called me last night. And John said, what are you preaching on in the morning? And I told him. He said, you remember that time Paul had the thorn in the flesh and he play, prayed three times that the Lord would remove it and the Lord didn't answer his prayer that way. He said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Tell your people tomorrow there's just one thing to pray for. Thy will be done. Pray to do the will of God. That's the best for all of us that God's will be done. There was a woman who loved and believed that way who died at the age of 42 and after a night of prayer she wrote a hymn that came to her she said just couplet after couplet and I love the last stanza for it says take my love my Lord I pour at thy feet its treasure store take myself and I will be ever only all for thee now think of this as a motto for life ever only all for thee let us pray O God our Father how good it is to know that we can call thee Father and know that you're so much better than any earthly father could ever be. And that you desire to give us good gifts. Help us to pray more. Teach us how to pray. Teach us through a daily conversation and delight to walk with thee. Ever only all for thee. Grant that any person here who does not have that relationship to Jesus may this day ask him to come into his or her heart 
grant that those of us who have known him a long time may seek to know him more intimately and better by obeying him more perfectly, by seeking more conversation with him through prayer and through the word and through praying for others. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and our guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.